Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I guess we'll call this an emergency podcast here on a Monday afternoon. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. And of course, we're calling it an emergency podcast because the Browns finally made their decision at kicker. It is not Kate York. It is Dustin Hopkins. They acquire Hopkins from the Chargers for a seventh round pick in 2025. I don't want to bury the lead here. I would just like to say thank you, Andrew Barry, for giving up these seventh-round picks so far in advance. I, we all really appreciate that. It's great work. We love it. We can plan ahead now for future drafts. Uh, okay, so Cade York, he is out the door. Let's just start there, Mary Kay. We did our 53-man roster. We we honestly didn't know what to do with the kicker position, and ultimately, by default, we just left Cade York on. In my roster, I left the position open. I just figured maybe they'd sign a kicker afterwards. This sort of felt inevitable, though, after Kevin Stefanski spoke on Saturday and then again on Sunday. And, you know, I thought you nailed it with your headline right away when you just you made it clear Kevin Stefanski didn't just come out. I'm paraphrasing here. He didn't just come out and support Cade York in either of those press conferences, which is definitely a change in how he had been talking about him. So this this felt like it was coming. This isn't super shocking that Cade York isn't here anymore. You're absolutely right. But before I get into that, I just wanted to also thank Andrew Andrew Barry. While he's trading away those seventh round picks, he has graciously traded away all those first round picks too. So we don't have to leave the house on the first night of the draft either. And then we're getting home a little earlier on Saturday. So thank you, Andrew, for that, for making our draft weekend very enjoyable. Uh, so yes, moving on to Cade here, uh, real quick. Yes, absolutely. 100%. When, uh, when I was in Kansas City and after the game, uh, you know, I was asking and Tony Grossi, some other guys, uh, from the local media were asking about Cade York and what his future was. And it was the first time Kevin Stefanski left the door open a crack finally for the first time that, uh, yes, we might have to explore our options and we will talk through all of these things. And you could just see it. I told you guys to go back and watch that press conference again. And you could see that he was, uh, you know, trying to catch himself a little bit and almost at times having difficulty spitting out his words uh, because you just knew that he wasn't going to be able to tolerate this anymore. Um, So that was the first time they finally admitted it. And then, um, and then yesterday when we had him on the conference call and he was asked point blank, is Cade York going to be your kicker week one? And he would not commit to that. Absolutely not. And that's when I think, you know, obviously, you know, we all knew that, um, you know, that something was going to be afoot, no pun intended. Yeah. So Ashley, um, you know, again, it, it just feels like this came down to, you just couldn't go into this season, especially with as front-loaded as this schedule is, you couldn't go in with an unknown here. And you couldn't go in with this idea that maybe you're going to lose a game or two in the name of development. Uh, because we know how much money is put on this roster. We know the talent on this roster. They are not building this roster to go through the growing pains with a kicker, which is unfortunate for Kate, obviously. But at some point, the Browns had to look at this situation and say, like, we, we just can't take this risk. We need to bring somebody in who we, we think is going to be more reliable than Cade. It just feels like this preseason was like the worst case scenario for Cade. Like, it was exactly what you don't want to happen, right? Like, I think if he comes out and misses that kick in the Hall of Fame game, but everything's fine after that, we're like, obviously not in this position. 
Um, I think if he had been a little more consistent last year, they're not in this position. It was just the perfect storm. And I, I wonder ultimately if the big mistake here during Cade York's tenure with the Browns is going to be the fact that they never brought in competition for him while he was here. I do wonder if that would have helped him. Uh, there's a chance it could have made it worse, right? Because I'm working on a, a column about this. Like I think so much of Cade's time here, and I've spent a lot of time talking to him about this over the last year, is like this battle between confidence, which I truly don't think confidence was ever his issue, but this perfectionist nature that he has and kind of learning how to manage that and learning how to manage that in a long NFL schedule when you're going to make mistakes and when kicking is a skill without a finish line. But I do wonder if bringing in that competition would have given him something else to focus on and maybe that would have been beneficial. Um, but I, I do agree. I mean, I think when you have the schedule as front loaded as you are and you went all in on this roster in so many other ways, it's just bad timing for Cade York to be hitting the rough spot that he hit. And, you know, Mary Kate was just, I mean, it was just ugly. Like some these kicks were, mi- I mean, last year there were kicks that were missing by so much. And, and on, on Saturday in Kansas city, it looked like the ball was really coming off of his foot, like weird. It had strange spin on it. And you know, I'm certainly not a kicking expert, but it just never felt right. This preseason, even, even his makes with a few exceptions were like, ah, is it going to go? Like they were, they were really close and it just never it never felt comfortable this preseason. And I'm sure for us watching from afar, if we feel that, I'm sure certainly watching in that building, they were feeling that times 10. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, Kevin Stefanski made it abundantly clear uh, that that was a mishit. We could all see it, but, you know, sometimes you never know what happens in the mechanics of a kick. Uh, but Kevin uh, confirmed, acknowledged that, uh, you know, that that was just a, a, a badly hit ball by Cade York. And I I do think that that is significant. We saw the, he made three extra points in that game out of the four, but the middle one of those three was very wobbly. Right. Um, So, you know, it, it just, it just wasn't going well. The weird part about that for me is that I have watched him beautifully kick the ball in practice, beautifully, beautifully kick that ball in practice. And I don't know, what was starting to happen to him when the lights came on? I do not know. And he probably doesn't know either. And maybe Ashley will probably get into this um, because she is handling the psychological part of the, the column. And I'm doing more of the sort of explainer about why they made this trade when they did. Um, but if, if I were Cade York, I w- and maybe he's already doing this, but I would be sitting down with a sports psychologist as fast as I can possibly get myself there and trying to work through why is it that I step up to the ball in practice and everything works beautifully. And then I get into the game and I struggle. And it's not like he went 16 for 17 last year. No, he only made 75% of his kicks last year. That's not good enough. Nobody expected that last year. And the truth of the matter is, Uh, you know, I mean, he was, he was darn lucky, uh, that he was able to have that opportunity to make the, the 58 yarder against the Panthers without that turning into even, you know, a longer kick because of a penalty that should have maybe not been picked up a flag that, uh, shouldn't have been picked up. Um, but yeah, somehow somewhere along the line, things have gone wrong 
sort of, I think, between the ears when it comes to kicking in a game for him. And that's unfortunate because he does have plenty of leg talent. I'm, I'm looking for it, Ashley. I can't find it here while we're scrolling on the pod. But when you wrote that big feature on Cade, what what was the quote that... Yeah, I knew I know you when, were when I remember looking, this. Yeah, I have it when I was up, looking actually. at it. Yeah. yeah, okay. So what, what was the quote that you led with? So this, some background, the quote is from as I pull it up here, it's from Greg McMahon, who was the LSU special teams coordinator when Kate was there. Of course, he was with the Saints for like 11 years during his NFL coaching career. Um, and I I can't stop thinking about this quote. I haven't been able to stop thinking about this quote for a couple days now. Um, but he said, he told me, perfection is a dark alley. I mean, being perfect doesn't exist. I used to tell Cade all the time, man, you don't have to be perfect. You just got to be damn good. And I mean, I've been thinking about it because the reality is he hasn't been damn good to, to use that phrase from Greg McMahon. Um, and he hasn't been able to be perfect. And I think like it must be, again, I think so frustrating for him. Like Mary Casey, I fully I would not be surprised to know, like if he doesn't know what the answer is to this. And I think even when you watch those kicks back um, like early in the preseason and go back to like the Hall of Fame game um, up until the end of the Eagles game, almost all of those kicks, even the makes were hanging to the right. And then in the Eagles game, the first missed field goal at the end is wide right. The second one is wide left, which I think Mary Kay, if I'm right, he said that was overcompensation, right? And then mm-hmm. in this last preseason game, all of the makes even were hanging to the left a little bit. So, I mean, it, it, you do kind of see why that inference there of it not being his leg strength or skill or anything, why that's there. And I mean, I think it is perfection is a dark alley. It's easy to get lost in. And I think in college, he had found a way to kind of dig himself out of that hole because he did go through a similar struggle as a freshman at LSU, which Greg McMahon got to kind of like see him through and see him get out of. Um, And I think that's where a lot of his confidence from in Cade came from. But I think now we're kind of in uncharted territory for him. Cade's still only 22 years old. He really hasn't been playing football that long, like competitively, probably only six or seven years um, because he picked it up later in high school. So I I don't know. I mean, it's just tough, I think. And that's part of the reason, too, like that they have to make this decision because you can't afford to take however long you need to take for him to get through this right now. Okay, so there's two questions here off Kate, and I want to start with this one. Uh, Mary Kay, we talked about Daniel Carlson. Look, Dustin Hopkins is a guy who was a drafted kicker that ended up not sticking with his original team and has gone on to have a nice career. Will the Browns regret this move? Or if Cade York goes on and has a nice career, whether it's Daniel Carlson-like or Dustin Hopkins-like, whatever it is, if he goes on and has a long career in the NFL... Do we still look back at this move and say it's a move they had to make? You know, I think so. And that's what I'm going to be writing about when I um, when I sit down here at my computer after we're done with this pod. This was a chance they had to take right now because this is a team that is trying to get to the Super Bowl this year. So they can't have a shaky kicker. In addition to the fact that they do have these three AFC North games in their first four, and we've talked about that a lot on this pod, I mean, you have to start strong. You have to be really, really strong coming out of the gate. And not only are they going up against a lot of good teams, but they're going up against a lot of good kickers in those first four weeks, too, some of the best in the NFL. Uh, so they they can't have this weak link on the team, not just for their, those first four games, but for the whole entire season 
which everyone on this football team is poised to try to get this team into the playoffs. And then, of course, the goal is the Super Bowl. Now, who knows how far they're going to get, but they just can't afford to do this at this point in time. So they had to sacrifice a long-term prospect for possible short-term gains. That's what they had to do. Um, And it just made so much sense. I don't think anybody on the football team, on the coaching staff, in the city of Cleveland was going to feel good having to go into that Bengals game and have him step up and have to try to make a game-winning kick or the game-winning extra point or whatever, right? Nobody was going to feel good about that. So it was something that they absolutely had to do. And chances are they seem to really believe that he is going to go on and have a wonderful and magnificent career. And he might do that. I mean, Daniel Carlson, I mean, boy, you know, maybe it was just getting cut that brought out the best in him. But after the Vikings cut him, after he went one for four in his first two games, he's just been money ever since then. Except for one year where he wasn't in the 90s. He's been in the 90s ever since. He made first team all pro last year. Uh, and he has just been absolutely phenomenal for the Raiders. And that could happen with Cade. But here's the other thing that I really think, you guys. I'm starting to think that he needed to get the hell out of here. I think he needed a change of scenery. When I saw him snap at a reporter after the game uh, for asking too many questions about his missed kicks, um, when I saw everything that I, when I've seen everything that I've seen on social media, uh, chances are he was going to get booed. He probably would have gotten booed at Cleveland Brown stadium on September 10th, even maybe even before he, he made or tried to attempt a kick. Sometimes you just need to get away from the situation that, that you're in and start fresh. And maybe that's what happened with Daniel Carlson. Maybe he needed to get away from there for him to just unlock his talent and ability and shake off whatever was going on with him. Maybe the ghost of Phil Dawson was too much for Cade York here. We know he hated hearing about Phil Dawson, which I always thought was weird. I always thought that was weird. You should never, ever hate hearing about Phil Dawson. You should want to know everything that you can from Phil Dawson. You should be on the phone with him immediately when you get here. And you should be asking him about his flag You should be asking him about every single thing that happened to him at Cleveland Brown Stadium. You should be using him as a mentor because there's he's like in the Joe Thomas category in terms of great guys, great mentors. And Cade was never interested in that. And that was a red flag to me. That was a red flag to me that he wanted to exercise that ghost and just get that out of his paradigm. And that's not that's not the right approach. I mean, that was a resource. If if I were him, I would have said, I would have been asking somebody, I would have been asking Bubba, can you get Phil up here for for a few weeks so that we can, you know, go down to the stadium and and work together? But no, no, no. Cade wanted no part of that. And and I thought that right there was, um, and he would be annoyed when when anybody would ask him about Phil Dawson. I could tell right from the start that when anybody asked him about Phil Dawson, he didn't want to hear it. He, he was tired of it after the fifth Phil Dawson question, which, of course, anybody that knew what that walks up to him is going to ask him about Phil Dawson. After the fifth time that happened, he was so over that and so done with that. Now, Ashley, you've got unique perspective on all of this because 
after doing that takeout on Cade, you know, you were one of the people that he really liked to talk to and he really trusted you. But I think even you had to see some of these red flags and maybe you could see that this environment for what, for whatever reason, wasn't that great for him. Yeah. You know, I think we talked about it last year. It wasn't the big story that I did, but around, actually I have, I have all these stories pulled up for, for our listeners because I am like working on this column as soon as we get off of this, this podcast. But um, this story was, if my computer loads from December 22nd of last year. And that was when, you know, I talked to him on a practice day and he, he just looked so defeated, first of all. Um, he was, I was very glad he agreed to talk to me and he was very honest. Um, and he didn't, you know, he wasn't like overly emotional or anything. And I don't think he ever gets like that. I mean, I haven't seen him get like that um, in terms of football. But when he started talking about how that year had tested everything for him, like it was just very definitive, like language and... I know Mary Kay, like when we talked after that interview, and even then, I, this was the quote I couldn't stop thinking about too today. Um, when he said, I was talking to him about the struggles he went through at LSU versus the struggles he went through with the Browns. And he told me, it's the same as college. There's just a lot more on the line. You're on contract. You're, you have your livelihood at stake. And it's a lot more cutthroat because there's a lot of good guys that could take your job. And I thought, like, three weeks later, we talked to him on Locker Cleanout Day. He ended the year. He made all his kicks. So he was, like, eight of eight the last three games. But looking back on that quote, especially now, I wonder if that never fully got out of his head. Um, and I think that that would explain a lot to me, right? He had a lot of this hanging over him as a rookie. I think making the 58-yarder against Carolina didn't help um, because everyone was ready to anoint him as the next savior at the position. And I don't think that made him get too comfortable but I think like, and if you're a listener and a perfectionist, you know this, it's easy for those thoughts to kind of rattle around in your brain and spiral. Um, so I don't know if we'll ever like know the full story of how it transpired here and went down for him here. It might end up in the long run looking like the Browns made a mistake, but maybe he never would come into his own here because of what Mary Kay is saying. Everything that was hanging around him psychologically here. I think it was, it was a lot. And it's a lot to deal with when you're 22 years old too, at a position that is like, I don't know, like 60% mental? Let's like generously say a 60-40 split between the mental and physical here. You know, the other thing real quick, though, when you talk about that, and I do freak out, I mean, not freak out, but I mean, I, I like, I do really think about the fact that he's 22 years old. I have a 22-year-old. I couldn't imagine her standing in front of 78,000 people and doing anything. I mean, actually, she might be able to handle it, come to think of it, but... <laughs> 22 years old is young. When I think of myself at the age of 22, just having graduated from college, it's mind blowing. But, but when you think about it, there are other kickers that can do it. One of them is um, Cameron Dicker, who the Chargers just installed as their starting kicker. Dicker the kicker, as we were talking about before we turned the pot on. And then um, Evan McPherson. Evan McPherson went out and did it. So it can be done at the age of 22, but for whatever reason, there were some demons or something. I don't know. Going on with Kate. And I, I think along those lines, it, it's worth, Kate kicked at LSU. Like he didn't, he didn't kick it like Kent state. Like he kicked in the toughest environment, like environments way tougher than you'll ever face in the NFL. 
LSU, Alabama. You know, I mean, he's kicked in some of the biggest, most fierce environments you'll ever see. So I, I do agree. I think I think there may be a change of scenery factor here where he just needed, needs to get out of Cleveland and get a fresh start. And I do want to add with the Daniel Carlson stuff, it was two games and it was one bad game. And he missed one kick the rest of the year. He missed one field goal the rest of his rookie season. I think that was more a case of bad process by Minnesota than anything else. Like, you can't give up on a guy after one bad football game, which is what they did. And then he goes on and doesn't miss and misses one kick the rest of his rookie year. Whereas, you know, look, Cade went 24-32 last year and he missed two extra points. So he was certainly far from perfect, uh, which, which is why we're here now. And, and I think that, yes, there's a world where, the, where Cade York goes on and becomes really good, and maybe it is a Daniel Carlson-esque situation, but I don't think we can look back at the Browns' process here and say that it was as flawed as it was in Minnesota when they, made, when they just made a knee-jerk reaction and, and changed kickers, and, and it's really come back to, uh, to regret them. <laughs> or they've come. That was my twenty-two-year-old that just walked. Yes, through there, the one that I was talking about. That was her. <laughs> uh, okay, real, real quick, uh, Dustin Hopkins. He is the new kicker. We should give him a little bit of time. He's been pretty good the last couple of years, specifically. He's he doesn't have a big leg. He's fifteen of thirty from fifty plus in his career. Uh, he's two of five in the last two years, but he's been very good from inside of fifty. Over the last two seasons with Washington and the Chargers, 14 of 16 from 40 to 49 and perfect from inside of 40 yards. Uh, He actually had a run of bad luck in Los Angeles. He made a game-winning field goal with an injured hamstring against Denver. That hamstring eventually landed him on IR. Cameron Dicker came in. He had been bouncing around. He was an undrafted guy, and he ultimately took his job this summer, uh, kicking Dustin Hopkins to the curb. So real quick before we go, when you're looking for a kicker at the end of August, Mary Kay, beggars can't be choosers. But you could certainly do worse than a guy like Dustin Hopkins, who is experienced, hasn't maybe kicked in weather, but like Washington's field is awful. So he certainly knows how to kick like in not great conditions sometimes. So we'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But as far as having to pick a kicker at the end of August, the Browns certainly could have done much worse. Yes, they could have done much worse, but uh, it, it also sort of begs the question. Um, you know, we've been asking about this situation for weeks and weeks, and I don't know what they could have done weeks and weeks ago, but, you know, and maybe you can refresh my memory, Dan, about is there any other kicker that they could have gotten uh, that would have been better than this? But, um, but you know, did they wait too long? Did they wait too long uh, to try to bring someone in and figure things out. But they really wanted to show that faith in Cade York. They didn't want somebody on the roster breathing down his neck. They felt that he was going to kick his way out of this slump. So I understand why they didn't do that. But as you mentioned, uh, Dustin Hopkins, you know, pretty good. Not not ideal because, you know, every time we look around, there's – kickers making 52, 54, 56 yard field goals. And, you know, they're going to have to really think long and hard about lining him up for one of those. But um, other than that, they should be okay. And, you know, they can also keep their eyes peeled for other kickers. But for right now, at this moment in time, 
this was the best decision. Yeah, you know, part of me, Ashley, wants to spin this like, well, you know, Kevin will just go for it in those situations where you'd kick a 50-yarder. But, of course, if there's two seconds on the clock and you're down two points, you got to kick from 50-plus. Uh, he does have a career long of 56, um, but, again, just 15 of 30 from 50-plus, from two of five in the last two years. So that's that's really the one flaw that I can find. And also, yeah, once again, he kicked in L.A., he kicked in Washington, so not the weather conditions that he'll face here in Cleveland and in the AFC North, but still, um, at least he's done it, and at least before the weather turns, it seems like you have a guy you can trust here. Yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it's something, like, because of the lack of a big leg and leg strength, like, I'm, I don't think it's a move to necessarily be excited about, but I mean, I just think, like, they had no other options. Like they could not just go into this game and say, well, Cade has a really big leg and we're going to go into the season and hope he kicks his way out of it. Like they waited as long as they could. I don't know if they did this sooner, if it would have helped them get somebody better. Like these guys aren't just hanging around on the street corner. Like I think some, there might be like a perception of kickers, like amongst some fans or circles of fans that it should be, such an easy job. It's really, really hard to find a good, reliable kicker that can be with you for years and years and years. It's hard for those guys to sack years. There aren't a ton of Justin Tuckers just sitting out there waiting. Um, so I don't know who they would have found that's better. I do think the big leg thing I worry about just because like, I've talked about this with Cade, like points are at such a premium in the NFL anymore and games are won and lost by less than a touchdown all the time. I mean, I do worry about not having that guy who can consistently hit over 50, but I don't know where else you were going to get him. So the consistency from like that 40 to 49 yard range, I think you, you kind of have to settle for in this situation. I kept you both longer than I promised. And I know you both still have things to write, but really quickly here, Mary Kay, did the Browns miss this pick? Did the Browns make the wrong choice? You know, I have to tell you, I've owned this before on this pod, and I'm going to own it again right now. I thought Cade was going to be so good and just really solidified this kicking position that I would have been fine if they had taken him at 99 this year. And you guys thought I was insane for that. And now it looks like I was insane for that. But I mean, if the guy is good enough, then, you know, why not get him whenever you need to get him? Um, so that was my thinking on that. And I think that everyone involved with Cade York is shocked and surprised that he did not work out. Um, and I do think he probably will go on to have a good career. So I don't think they blew the pick. I think something just got lost in the translation. It's process versus result, right? I mean, Andrew Barry would probably love to hear that. It's process versus result. And I think at the time it was hard to argue, you know, they, they traded down, they collected these picks um, in order to make this pick of York. And look, at the time, it, we all thought it was the right pick, I think. Mm -hmm. So it's easy to say, yeah, because he's not here anymore, you missed on that pick. And I'm sure there, there will be times when we, when we point to that as an example of a player that the Browns missed on. But Ashley, the process of it, it just seems like the Browns went in, they wanted a kicker, and they got the guy they wanted. It, it's, it's hard to argue with that part of it, at least. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what else they they would have done. You know, I mean, he was the only kicker that got drafted that year. Um, he was the big name in college football. And I think, you know, I, I'm like Mary Kay. Like, I obviously, I thought this was going to end, be a much happier ending for Cade York and the Browns. Um, just with all the reporting I had done on Cade in the past, and I really thought he was going to be able to work his way out of this. And I still do, to some extent. I think he is ultimately going to be 
a good NFL kicker. I think it's just not going to be here. And I don't know that it would have ever been here, like we've been saying. Um, so I don't know if I'd qualify it as a miss exactly. It's like, as as with most things, they're not black and white, right? Like this is a, the ultimate gray area, I think, for a draft pick that you can have. I mean, it is a miss in the sense that, hey, you make this pick during a time where you don't have any first rounders because you traded them all away to get Deshaun Watson. But like you said, Dan, that day, they traded down and kind of stockpiled picks in that draft and suddenly had that pick to make to select Cade York. So that's the flip side of it, too. Yeah, I remember, I remember Mike Prefer telling us that he was excited when the Browns traded down because he knew one of those picks was, was going to be for Cade. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, less than a year after he makes that kick in Carolina when it, it was, a statue was all but built for him after that game, here we are. He's been released, and the Browns' new kicker is Dustin Hopkins. Okay, we're going to cover everything about this move. We're going to cover everything about the cut down to 53, which is due by 4 p.m. on Tuesday at cleveland.com slash brown. So become a Football Insider subscriber. It's right there on that page. Find us on Instagram, search Orange and Brown Talk, and also subscribe to this podcast where you listen to podcasts, um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Oh, and YouTube. Search Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com to find us on YouTube. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.